Okay, because we want to introduce someone here. Debbie, can you come on up? We have our new children's ministry director here, Debbie Dean. We just want to give her a welcome. <laughs> really, really, really excited to have Debbie on board. She comes with us with a lot of experience, and I know you're going to love her. So she'll be working with the kids in Kids Zone Nursery through fifth grade. And we want to pray over you too, Debbie. But do you want to say anything first? Um, just that I'm looking forward to what God's going to continue to do here at Vineyard in Hopkinton. And um, I'm still really new. So give me a chance to get to know you all. Uh, hopefully you're going to come to the pool party this afternoon and I can mingle and, and chat with you. But looking, looking forward to see what God has planned for the children here at Vineyard. And just excited about that. <laughs> all right. So really, uh, and Jeff are away at different places, uh, so um, Jeff's preaching at Framingham Vineyard this weekend, and uh, Debbie's obviously taking over from Areli, but so why don't you extend a hand and let's just pray God's blessing on, on Debbie. So Lord, we just lift up Debbie, we just pray, Lord, for uh, firstly physical health, uh, uh, we know that Debbie's been battling this last uh, week or so, but uh, Lord, we also just pray your blessing on her as she uh, overseas our kids. We highly value our kids and we highly value what uh, Debbie's uh, going to be doing. We thank you that you've called her into ministry and she uh, loves you and loves the kingdom and loves kids. So Lord, we just lift her up. We just pray uh, for her and pray this church will be a blessing uh, to her as she uh, serves the kids and serves you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, All right, so kids are heading to Kid Zone. Thank you. All right, so lots of uh, transitions and changes, and uh, Labor Day weekend uh, seems to be uh, that time of the year where we do all these transitions. And it's a sort of often a mixed, uh, mixed emotions, right? Uh, on the one hand, it's like, oh dear, summer's finished. Uh, and we wish we could continue to uh, enjoy, uh, hopefully, a time of uh, relaxation and family time and, and getting together. But then on the other hand, uh, as parents, you're kind of like, we need routine. We need some structure. Uh, we are glad our kids are going back to school. So you have these mixed emotions, right? I mean, don't you, don't you sense like, okay, I, I really, you know, we can't just like live in summer mode forever. Uh, well, maybe you could. I mean, you'd have to move to Florida, but you know, you, you, you know that the weather's going to change here soon. Uh, and so we have this change in structure. We have this change in, okay, let's get a routine going. Uh, let's get back to school. And it's an, it's a, this week already started, and the next, this week coming, past week and this week, we know that the kids are like anxious. New, new friends, new teachers, new routines, getting the bus sorted out. And parents are anxious. It's like, okay, so now we've got to get all the adjustments made. You know, how's this all going to work? So we're in transition, and uh, we, we love it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we want to pray for those that we love. I mean, we want to pray for our kids. We want to pray for their classes. Uh, we don't want to just, uh, you know, send them off. Uh, we we, we want to make the commitment to say, look, we love our kids, and we're going to pray for them, and we're going to pray over them. And we want the Lord's best for them. We pray that the Lord would, uh, would, would uh, protect them. And uh, that's part of what we should be doing at this time period. 
So I, I'm excited today because we're starting a new routine uh, by having a new sermon series for the fall. We're going to be talking about uh, being joyful, and uh, part of it is learning the art of being joyful as we can get it from the book of Philippians, uh, the New Testament book written by the Apostle Paul, and uh, he tells us a lot about uh, being joyful. And it, there's a lot of surprising things, surprisingly good things in this book, because it's not uh, what you would expect. It's not like, okay, let's be joyful because everything's just great and everything's going great. Uh, really, the message of uh, Philippians is how the Apostle Paul finds joy in all sorts of circumstances. And so uh, we really want to uh, look at that uh, today. We want to uh, see how that um, uh, works out. So why don't I just um, pray for our service before we get going. Uh, Jesus, we just invite your presence. Uh, we ask that you would fill us up with uh, your joy, with the joy of the Lord. Lord, we realize that this is not something that we work up. Uh, but we also realize that uh, we want to be uh, people of joy and be joyful. And we recognize that this is part of uh, a spiritual condition where you impart uh, joy to us. That when our hearts connect with your heart, uh, it gives us great joy. And so, Lord, I, I just pray for our service today that you would fill this place with your presence and your Holy Spirit would be with me as I preach, uh, and that your Spirit within me and your Spirit within those listening, there'd be a sense of, yes, uh, you hear and you're stirring and you're moving. So, Lord, I just pray uh, for your joy uh, to be here. Uh, put power on my words. Uh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. So uh, this is a season where we, again, are intentional about saying, God, uh, what is it that you're doing, and can we invite your presence, and it is the fall, and can we pray with, uh, with joy? Uh, and so we ask the Lord to, to be with us this season. Again, there's something about the intentionality of asking Jesus to be part of what it is that we're doing and what it is that we value and those that we value, and not just talk about it. It's like, Okay, God, will you be part? Will you be present? Can you be here? Can you be involved uh, in the things that we are doing? So uh, if you've got a Bible with you, uh, won't you open it uh, to Philippians? And it's a New Testament book, and they, it's written by the Apostle Paul. And it's a, a great little book, and we're going to be spending this fall uh, in this book. Let me just uh, read this to you, uh, the opening of this, of this letter. It says this, it says, this is a letter, and it is from uh, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been, 
my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. And for the time uh, you first heard it um, up until now. You know, Paul is really in an interesting uh, situation here. This is sort of like a standard opening of a letter. And for many people, it would just be like, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know, this is Paul. I'm writing blah, blah, blah to people, blah, blah, blah. And what is it that you're really saying, Paul? And he's, you know, okay, get on with the letter. But uh, this is really just an amazing, uh, amazing introduction. I mean, think of this. Uh, Paul is sitting in jail. And uh, as he's sitting in jail, he's like really rejoicing. He's saying, you know, I'm sitting here. I don't like the circumstances that I find myself in. uh, And yet, as I sit in in this awful jail cell, uh, not sure about what the outcome of this is going to be, my heart is really just strangely warmed. I'm really uh, excited, and, uh, and I'm praying, and I'm praying for you guys. And, uh, and so he writes this letter, and he starts off uh, by telling exactly you know, his state of mind. He says, you know, we are slaves for Jesus. We're not just like you know, workers for Jesus. He's got a mindset of, I'm all in. Uh, I'm God's slave. If, if God says, you know, do this, I do it. If, if, if God says, go over there, I go over there. If God says, you know, you're going to have some difficulties, but do it anyway, Paul's like, I'm just your slave, God. I'll just, whatever you want, I'll, just, I'll do it. And in doing that, he realizes that he experiences joy. I mean, it's a, it's a strange thing. And then what he's doing, he's, he's reflecting back. And he's reflecting back on the people of Philippi. Now, I want you to like, put yourself in this mindset. Uh, ask yourself this question. Where were you when you came to know Christ? Or, or where was your home church? Uh, where was the church that you're raised in? Where did you, where did you know about Christ? Maybe it's you know, this church. Uh, maybe you've come from another church. And uh, whatever church it is where you had a, uh, a very personal encounter with Christ, where you experienced God for the first time, I guarantee you, you'll have fond memories of that place and those people, and it's just like a rich experience for you. And so uh, Paul is reflecting back uh, on this church, and he's saying, wow, you know, this is such an interesting uh, situation. Like uh, 14 years earlier is when Paul started this church. And what's also interesting is that this was the first church in Europe. I mean, just, just, just think of the ramifications of that. Okay, you think, okay, where's the first church in Europe? Maybe it was Rome. No, it wasn't Rome. It, it, it was this little church in, in Philippi. And uh, if it wasn't for Paul having done what he did in this little church in Philippi, there wouldn't be all the cathedrals that we see all over Europe, and, you know, we probably wouldn't know about the faith. And, you know, it started somewhere. Uh, so there's a historical, like, beginning of where this all happened. And so uh, Paul is, like, just pressing in, and he's saying, all right, let me, uh, let me, like, reflect back and think how this all happened and how it all started and how we got going. And, and there's another interesting thing about what's going on here, where it's counterintuitive with joy. And that is, this little church is being persecuted. It's like things are not happy there. It's a Roman uh, uh, area, a colony, a 
governed by Rome, and they're picking up a lot of external resistance. And not only that, it's a real church. There's a lot of struggles and conflict inside the church. You ever noticed that? You ever like got involved in a church, and then like when you really get involved, you're like, wait a bit, there's conflict in this church. It's like, how did that happen? It's like, wow, it's a biblical church. That's why. That's why there's conflict. There's like a whole bunch of sinners there. Like, great. But those same sinners are also saints. I mean, it's the weirdest thing. And God uses like, you know, conflict and whatever. It's, it's humanity. And enduring in that and through that, God is doing something. And you can say the overall expression is one of joy. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And Paul is not saying it's okay to have conflict. I mean, throughout this letter, you say, okay, guys, work it out, sort it out. But can we focus on what we do have, the joy that we have in the Lord? So, you know, here's Paul sitting in prison. It's 14 years after he started this church. This church is a small little rinky-dinky church. It looks very fragile. It's like, is it going to make it? Who knows? He's got struggles from the outside, struggles from the inside. And yet Paul is saying, I get such joy when I think about you guys because of what God has done in you. And uh, there's a sense of connection and commitment uh, because of that. So let me just read that again. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. So he's saying, look, you can experience grace, you can experience peace, no matter how difficult your circumstances are. And that's the nature of this series. Like, how do we extract and experience joy despite the difficult things that we might be going through? But at this particular point, he's saying, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Because he's thinking back. He's thinking of what God has done and what God is doing and, and whose lives have been changed uh, because they've uh, received him. For you have been part of uh, partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Now, this is normal church. This is where he, Paul is saying, wait, you're a partner of mine. We're in this together. Uh, Paul is not saying, you know, I'm the one that has to do everything. Like, I advance the gospel He's saying, no, I present the gospel, and then together we advance the gospel. Like we invite our friends, and we uh, do things together. And Paul is saying, uh, you know, you're my partner in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Uh, and so God is always uh, active in our lives. He's always moving in our lives, and He's always uh, asking us, you know, if we will uh, we'll partner with Him. So, you know, I want us to also be uh, part of that joy. And part of the joy is when we invite our friends and family to church. Uh, so we've printed out these cards. Bernadette, I don't know if we got a bunch of these. Uh, and these are like invite cards. And so this is our series and uh, tells us all the details. So if you would like one of these to give to a friend and say, you know, I want to invite you to church and you want to partner with uh, like God, like the, the apostles. If you want a card, some handouts to give to your friends, or you want to mail it to a friend, uh, you know, just take some and just give them to your friends or uh, have some in your, your pocketbook in case you come across somebody that uh, you, you'd like to invite to church. 
you know, normal Christianity looks like this. Andrew brought his brother Peter to see Jesus. Philip brought Nathaniel. Matthew had a party, invited a whole bunch of his work colleagues all to come and meet Jesus. I mean, there's a natural part of Christianity is saying, you know, I'm getting something out of this. Uh, Jesus is good. I haven't figured it all out, but you've got to come and see Jesus, or you've got to come to church and connect with God. Uh, y- you know, part of our responsibility is saying, are we getting anything out of church? Uh, do I know somebody else that'll get something, something out of church? And how do I find that person? And, and, you know, how do I invite them to come? You know, and we as a church try and like lower the barriers. You know, we try and make church a place where people can feel welcome and you can come on in. And, and if you sense that our church is like unfriendly or it doesn't feel safe to bring somebody here, we want to hear about it because we're trying to make church a place where it's winsome and you can invite your friends. Now, the only caveat to that is uh, the stumbling block is always going to be Jesus. You know, I'm not going to not preach the gospel or not talk about Jesus or not preach the Bible. I mean, that part we're going to do. But I am saying we want to try and remove the other barriers. You know, we want to try and be friendly and welcoming and and make this sort of intelligible for somebody that's not a church person and uh, that sort of thing. So uh, that's what we do. We, We advance the gospel. Now, another thing that we're going to be doing in a few weeks' time is we're going to be running the Alpha uh, class again. So what is Alpha? So Alpha is an 11-week series where we try and invite a whole bunch of people that don't know Christ or don't know uh, fully about Christ or, you know, have some sort of marginal background in, in faith but not really a strong background in faith. And uh, we try and uh, introduce them to Christ uh, by doing two things. We're asking firstly, like, what's the purpose in life? Like, what do you, what's your big plan for life? What are, you, what are you trying to get out of life? And as we have said so many times, even rich and famous and wealthy people, be it uh, Michael Phelps, the swimmer, or our own quarterback, you know, after winning Super Bowl, it's like, it's got to be more to life than this. And so those big questions, we're saying, how about we discuss that and we focus that on Jesus, where he says, I am the bread of life, and saying, okay, there's got to be some substance to this life, some purpose. And so uh, this series is looking at those big questions and then specifically at who is Jesus? Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? How do I pray? And uh, how do I pray with joy? Today's topic. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, if you would like to help us and partner with us in advancing the gospel, if you know people that might uh, enjoy this series, we're going to be doing it Wednesday morning, uh, starting in a few weeks' time, and Beth Newman and I are going to be uh, running this together. But I wanted to give you a feel of uh, what do we talk about in these, in these series. Uh, it's written by this guy that's uh, Nicky Gumbel. He's British. And it has a wonderful, uh, if, you, if you vineyard or got vineyard background, uh, a comical uh, vineyard connection. So before I show you this clip, because you'll hear the very British accent, uh, the connection with the vineyard, and for those of you that are new to vineyard, uh, John Wimber was uh, instrumental in getting the vineyard going. 
God just used John in several ways, but one was in being very prophetic and also having a, a healing uh, gifting and being an outstanding teacher. So he got invited to the Episcopal Church, Church of England, a lot. And he'd go out there and he'd do conferences and, and people would gather. And, and then while John was preaching it, God would just give him like words. And this one day he's at this uh, conference. It's not, a huge, it's not a huge conference. And he's preaching away and God says to him, there's 10 people in this audience that have athlete's foot. And if you'll invite them forward, God wants to heal them of athlete's foot. Now, tell me that's not a little bit like kind of awkward, right? And so the one guy in the audience is a, is a, is a barrister, a lawyer, a British lawyer with all the formal attire. And so nine people come forward for prayer. Uh, and, uh, you know, John's like, no, I think God said there were 10. Uh, so before we start praying, is there somebody else here that's got athlete's foot? Now, you can imagine, it's pretty awkward. But this guy's wife is like, Digging his her elbow. He says, it's you, you idiot. Go up. And he's like, I'm not going to have any part of this foolishness. I'm not going up for telling anybody about athlete's foot. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in any. This is just foolishness. This is just complete nonsense. And so John doesn't know this all going on. He said, there's somebody else here that's got like athlete's foot. Would you come on up for crying out loud? And so finally, you know, this guy's wife is making a big scene. So he comes down. And uh, in vineyard old days, uh, you know, mostly this was prayed for by like hippie teenagers, you know, guy flip-flops and cut-out t-shirt. And, you know, he has this very formal guy and, he's, and these guys are putting their hands on him and starting to pray for him. He's like, I, I can't deal with it. I'm, I'm out of here. I, so he's making this huge disturbance. So John Wimber says, I just take this guy out of here. He's just making a huge noise and whatever. And so he walks out and he, the guy's just so embarrassed, it's ridiculous. And as he's walking out, God speaks to John Wimber again, and he says, that man, he's going to be used by God to lead thousands to the Lord. And this guy's like, what the heck? I don't even believe in you, Jesus. I don't believe in athlete's foot. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe, in this. I don't believe in any of this. Uh, you know, this like, what, are they, what are you talking about? Well, now, fast forward a whole bunch of years, 29 million people have watched the Alpha series. I mean, it is like gone across the world in I don't know how many different languages. I mean, it's been something we've done here at the Vineyard, uh, you know, uh, throughout, the, throughout our existence. Uh, our biggest struggle has not been the content. The content is great. Our biggest struggle is trying to partner with you guys to find people that we can invite uh, to the series. But pretty much every time we've done the series, we've had people, their lives have been transformed They've received Christ after, after they've gone through this thing, and they've been lifelong uh, followers of Christ. Anyway, let's just show you a little a clip here, and if you can kill this light, maybe you'll see it a little better. Uh, I'm Nicky. Two minutes. Welcome to Alpha. Life is busy. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? What's happening today? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions, like, why am I here? Where am I heading? Is this it? Is there more to life than this? These are life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through properly. We all have different perspectives on the meaning of life and faith, and Alpha is an opportunity to explore life's big questions. 
This is a great place to come together and talk about them openly and honestly. I'm Gemma. I'm Toby. And this is Alpha. Um, I go on Google. Google. I definitely Google. I go on Wikipedia. Internet. I uh, scroll through all the different answers so and then I try the and combine it and then make my own kind of cornerstone. Or smart friends. I don't ask big life questions. It's too hard to answer. Google or my grandmother. I meditate or I read. When I have a big life questions, I probably go to my family. I haven't really had any massive ones yet, so. My mom or my dad, basically. My mom or my dad, maybe my grand. I get most of my answers from the library in any section there, because I don't really trust the people that I'm around. The key is always to yourself. you got to figure some things out for yourself. If I'm confused, I go to him first. And he confuses me more. But when it's something more personal, I try to find it within myself first. Friends of mine told me that the first night they came to Alpha, they sat in their car for half an hour waiting and watching people going in. And eventually when they'd seen enough normal looking people going in, they thought they'd give it a try. And one thing that might be going through your mind is, am I going to be the only one there who doesn't believe all this stuff, who's not a Christian, that doesn't go to church? Well, if that's you, then you're in the right place. Alpha is designed for people who wouldn't call themselves Christians or who are not regular churchgoers. It might feel a bit strange to be discussing life and faith with people that you've never met before. But the best thing about Alpha is often the great friendships that are formed over the weeks. For much of my life, I was not remotely interested in Christianity. All right, so that gives you a feel of what, of what Alpha is all about and uh, the tone of it and, the, and uh, the type of the questions. And, you know, typically the format is this. Uh, we have uh, a social time beforehand, something to eat. It's uh, time to get comfortable. Then a 20 or 30 minute presentation video clip. And then we discuss the video clip uh, afterwards. And then uh, we go through the series. So uh, if you know somebody, speak to either Beth Newman or myself. We're going to be doing it Wednesday mornings in a few weeks' time. And uh, we're hoping you know, uh, that this would be a great, uh, a great alpha. Uh, the thing with alpha is this. You really need like 12 people or more, uh, because there's a group dynamic which happens that people then feel safe, they feel comfortable. Uh, somebody will bring up a question that somebody else hasn't really been able to formulate, but when somebody else brings the question up, they say, yeah, that's a question that I would have had as well. So uh, if you know somebody, uh, uh, why don't you bring them along? But maybe the starting point is praying. Uh, and praying for the people that you want to bring. Uh, you know, what I want you to get out of today's message, more than anything else, is this whole concept of praying for people, but praying with joy. Uh, let's just go back and look at this text again, because it's so counterintuitive in a way, uh, because our intuitive way of praying is, God, I need something, I need some help, and yet uh, Paul is saying, if you've got, you got an insert, uh, why don't you pull it out and, and follow along uh, with me on your, on your insert. Um, it says this, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. 
Paul is doing more than just thinking about people. You see, one of the, the challenges we have is we will think about people, and uh, that's a good thing, that we are mindful of people, that we think about people. Uh, it's another step up if you actually give thanks for people, like your own kids. You know, God, I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my parents. I thank you for my siblings. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for my church. I mean, that's a whole other step up than just thinking about, you know, your family and your friends. But there's a third step up, which is not something we take for granted, and that's actually praying uh, for people. So, you know, what the Apostle Paul is, is helping us out with here is he's saying, look, don't just, you know, think about people. Don't just be thankful about the people that are in your life, but actually pray for them. And our first prayer should really be a prayer of joy. It's like, God, I'm really thankful. And there's, you know, think about your kids. You know, I think of them and I have joy. Are they perfect kids? No, they're not perfect kids, obviously. But there's a sense that they are kids and we love them and we want to pray for them and we want to pray for them with joy. I mean, you know, the Lord's Prayer didn't start off with, you know, give me today, Lord, my bread. Uh, it starts off with focusing on God. Our Father, with, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're like our eyes are lifted off and put on God. There's a sense of, like, let's give thanks. Let's be appreciative of who God is and who the people. Not like, you know, I need my daily bread. If that's the start of our prayer, God, I need my daily bread. And we do that with our kids. God, my kids need friends. God, my kids need help in church. My kids need help in school. God, I need you know, a better job. That's our natural instinct. But what Paul is telling us is focus on the things that you value in life, the people that you value. Don't just think about them, but pray for them and pray for them with joy. You know, every one of you here is a person. You're not a problem. You come to this church, you're, you're a person. And I thank you that you're at this church. Uh, don't ever feel like you know, you know, you're coming here and you're a big burden. No, we are God's people. Uh, you know, if we're going to be a burden, we give our burdens to God. But we are together as people, and it's a joy that we do church together, as imperfect as we are. But it's God working in us and doing something in us that gives us hope and gives us joy. It's a supernatural thing. Uh, and, you know, my job is to... Uh, is to obviously introduce you to Christ and encourage you with Christ and to uh, preach the Word of God and to show you how it's relevant in your life. Uh, but my job is not to make you perfect people. Uh, that would be, like, impossible. But God can transform you, and God can transform me, and God can change us. As we le lean into Him, our life becomes rich and joyful and full. I would never... Uh, you know, go back to the life that I had before I knew Christ. Never. I would never trade the, the so-called problems I have in church or, uh, you know, following Christ and the and so-called difficulties or the demands of Christ on my life. I would never trade that uh, and say, God, just, you know, get out of my life. Get out of my way. I want to do my own thing. No ways. Uh, it's like, God, I want more of you in my life. And there's a real joy when I reflect on you. Now, this Thursday, uh, I want to take uh, prayer uh, to a sort of practical, uh, meaningful place in our, in our church life. Uh, I want to commit this whole Thursday here at this church to prayer and fasting. 
so the big idea here is this. You know, so often we just start the fall, uh, it's the new uh, school year, and we just kind of roll into it. And I thought, you know what, God, why not this year, like we just take a day, and we just commit the whole day to just praying to you. And we just ask for the Lord's involvement and the Lord's presence in everything that we're planning and doing. And we just set a day aside, a whole day uh, aside, and just say, God, you know, we want to uh, focus on you. And uh, we'll start the year, you know, on the, off on the right foot by giving thanks and, and thinking about all the things which do give us joy. And so in your bulletin, you've got a, a planned uh, sort of outline of what we're thinking of doing for the day. So we start at 7 in the morning. We've got Jeff Biggers. Uh, he normally has a group with, with men. So uh, he's going to open up at 7, from 7 to 8, praying for businessmen praying for their work, praying for their sales, praying for their employees, praying for their business opportunities, you know, praying for all uh, those things. And then I'm committing to being here from 8 in the morning until 8 at night. And I want to be fasting and praying. Now, I don't want to take a whole bunch of time to talk about fasting because somehow or other this is either something which either makes people really mad or really glad. So I just want to say this. Uh, there's different types of fasting. People have no opinions about fasting. People have a lot of other opinions about fasting. The Bible has a whole lot to say about fasting. Uh, and yet, when you read the New Testament, Jesus fasted. Uh, the apostles, they fasted. It was sort of normal living for them that they would be fasting. So then the next question becomes all the mechanics. What does fasting look like? How long should I fast? And so... Yeah, that's where it all kind of come, you know, becomes a whole big discussion. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm not going to be eating for 24 hours, and I'm probably not going to be drinking any water for 24 hours. Uh, mind you, I'm going to be running first thing in the morning. So yeah, probably I'm going to be drinking something when I finish running. Uh, but that's going to be it, okay? Now, you might not want to do that. You might say, look, that's the most ridiculous thing. I'm going to eat, and I'm going to drink, or I'm going to just skip one meal, or... Heaven forbid, I just cannot not drink all day long. Go for it. Just do whatever you want to do. There's no, you know, this is not legalistic. The idea here is trying to uh, have some level of discomfort so that we can stay focused on what God is doing. There's some level of saying, God, I'm feeling hungry. I'm feeling thirsty. I want to focus on you. I want to use this time to pray and to pray to you. And so it's a, it's a reminder uh, that we are dependent, our survival is dependent on food and, and water. Our survival is dependent on, on, on God, on Jesus. So that's the big idea. So you can join me in as much or as little as you want to do. Um, and you can come in as much as you like or as little as you like during the day. If you've got time, come on in. You'll see the different uh, f themes that we have uh, during the day. Different leaders are going to be doing different hour slots. And and I'm not expecting a huge crowd. I mean, if it's like one of you and you join me, you know, at 11 o'clock in the morning, that's awesome. You know, and if, uh, if it's 7 o'clock at night, you know, 40 of you show up and we close the day out with, with prayer and just asking God to, to move in us and, and have harmony in our church and to, and to bless us and, and that we'd have some form of, you know, real evangelism and seeing people's lives transformed. If you want to join me, you know, in the evening... Yeah, oh, come on down. Uh, that's what we're going to do. Now, you might also, before you leave, you might want to just look at the prayer room.
because we've got the prayer room set up like this. Uh, if you want to take some time uh, during the day and just go and do business with God, uh, the prayer room is set up back there that you can do that. Uh, it, it's, it, it's, it, the, the tone is such that it's prayerful. Just, you, you need to look at it. And Ronnie, you can switch your lights on back there and let people see it. And, and uh, when you leave, you can take a peek in there and uh, spend some time in there. I won't be praying in there with you. That's you and God, and, and uh, you can do your thing uh, in the prayer room. But if you can make some time during the day uh, on Thursday, I just encourage you, uh, to join us as, as we pray. So uh, let me just conclude this way. Uh, Jesus spent a lot of time uh, praying, uh, and it seems like uh, Jesus would uh, spend a lot of time in prayer because it worked, but also because it gave him life. It seems like somehow or other connecting with the Father gave him joy. We know that uh, Jesus loves you, and he loves me, and he's saying, you give us to to Jesus, he's saying, you give me joy. And yet, we need to follow the practices of Jesus, which is, hey, we need to pray for our kids, for our friends, for our family, for those that are near and dear to us, with a sense of joy. And that should be our sort of first prayer, like it was with Jesus, where he would joyfully want to connect with the Father and pray for his disciples and pray for his day and pray for those that he loved with a sense of expectation and a sense of joy. Now, I'm making a big deal of this because we talk about it, we think about it, but we, do we actually do it? Do we actually, do we actually pray? A and that's the pitch that I'm trying to make, is that we will move from thinking about people that are special to actually praying and praying with joy, praying with thanksgiving, praying with a sense of God, thank you, and remembering the good things that God has done and is doing and will be doing uh, in each other's lives. So why don't you stand, and let me just pray for you uh, as you stand, and we're going to have worship. Jesus, I just lift up our church. I, as I said, uh, nobody's a problem. Everybody here is a person, and it's a person that you love. And I thank you, Lord God, for every person here. And I thank you for all our leaders. And I thank you for all those that have served and are serving and are trying uh, to please you and are trying to be a partner with you. And so, Lord, you've gifted uh, so many people in this church, and so many are trying to find ways of serving and connecting and, and adding value. And I just want to pray your blessing on them, Lord, and I just pray your peace would be with them. Uh, Lord, and I just thank you for every person that's here. And, Lord, as we collectively stand and just worship you, I just thank you, Lord God. I thank you in advance for this uh, upcoming fall season. I thank you that you're going to be stirring us and filling us supernaturally with your joy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Brian. Oh, okay. Hold on a second here. Lisa's obviously feeling like a certain scripture has been highlighted uh, to her by the Lord, so... Um, let's hear us, Lisa. I'm sure many people know this scripture, but I just sense the Lord is impressing this on our hearts as a body today. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, 
to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, to clothe him and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then you will call and the Lord will answer. And you will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with pointing the finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, from doing as you please on my holy day, and if you call the Sabbath a delight and a Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So out of Isaiah, the Old Testament, God is basically saying, look, when we push and put him first, when we make an effort to put him first, God blesses us. So, uh, Lord, we do. We just commit this time to you, and we want to put you first. And we thank you that you promise that you will hear us when we seek you and uh, lean into you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.